Hey everyone, what's up? It's time for Movie Mastery! Time again at last! Time now! <laughs> there is time now! Oh god, my glasses! <laughs> it's not fair! <laughs> and that's the end of the show. <laughs> See you later! <laughs> It's the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to, and for some reason, somebody wanted us to watch Duel. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this one. 1971's Duel. I'm, I'm assuming... Uh, there's a couple of potential reasons why. Number one, it's George. It's Steven it's Spielberg. It's George Lucas. It's George Lucas's first movie he ever saw in theaters. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's uh, it's Steven Spielberg's first di- directorial debut. His Well, his first feature length debut ah, he had yes, b- yeah. done like tv directing and some stuff like that yes anyway i am john that is jeff just in case you didn't know oh so jesus station identity. i feel like we could probably skip those now john really we can probably skip that yeah everyone knows who we are uh-huh we're famous millionaires <laughs> we have a mansion and a yacht <laughs> which one of us has the mansion and which one has the yacht you'll need to stay tuned <laughs> until we have them <laughs> Please join our Patreon for about a million dollars. <laughs> our ship's just about to come in, I tell you. And also our house. <laughs> our ship's about to come in. It is behind about 15,000 other ones off Long Beach right now. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, because of Steven Spielberg connection, also potentially someone trying to make some kind of point because of all the times we've said that we hate 70s movies. I mean, it's true. We do hate 70s movies here. Famously on the podcast, we hate 70s movies. (laughs) (laughs) We hate the 70s. Coming soon to VH1. Ah. Uh, So maybe they were like, here's a 70s movie with no wood-paneled sheriff's offices. Eh. It still has boring phone calls that go nowhere. It's also got a wood-paneled diner, so eat it. (laughs) Or it it could also just be because they think it's like a tense, interesting thriller. So I mean, it is. I understand the reason why someone would like want us to review this mm-hmm. for several reasons, and I understand why this got sort of the initial uh, buzz that it did back in the day. This originally was an ABC television movie. Oh, really? It was not a theater thing. Okay, no. When it first started, it was the movie of the week on ABC. And then it got so much hype, specifically because of Spielberg's direction. Hmm. Everyone was like, wow, the directing in this is fucking great because there's nothing else to this movie. And uh, it then got like an extra 20 minutes of footage that they then used to make the theatrical release. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So like the the, uh, the scene with the bus and the kids and everything wasn't in the TV oh, okay. movie. I was, I was trying to, I was, in my head, I was trying to come up with what they added. And that that makes as much sense as anything else. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's certainly, a, it's it's a very self-contained scene, but it, it works to kind of, you know, we, we'll, we can get into that on the other side of the, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's very interesting. The whole thing, uh, before we get to the other side and go into the spoilers, which Aren't a whole lot, but by God, we'll talk about well, it. The movie only has one drum, and it bangs it loudly for 90 minutes. I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> That's it's... my best pickup line. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to bang loudly for about 90 minutes. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it'll work. Never does. Has yet to. <laughs> but what was I going to say? Um, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's actually very good. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is, you know, very much, it's it's a tension film, so it's very much ratcheting up the tension over and over again. It's kind of like, uh, you know, there's a gremlin on the wing of the plane kind of stuff where, uh, where describing it, you're like, uh, Shatner becomes increasingly terrified because there is clearly a gremlin on the wing of the plane. Uh, what else happens in the movie? A 
everything you can imagine is an outgrowth of that event happens. Yeah, I mean, the movie itself has just sort of one event of this mm-hmm. truck chasing a guy, but the the way in which I feel like the directing on this is so good because it it does end up giving you without ever seeing the truck driver like outside of like his foot or his hand mm-hmm. uh you get a lo- a very good sense of like what's going on with this guy yeah one of the things i was wondering about with this movie is is this the thing that kicked off the fairly small but still present trucks as a horror movie uh, antagonist uh, uh, trope because there are a few there's you know joyride and, and oh, yeah. maximum overdrive uh there are there are a few movies that exist that are I like mean, even jeepers creepers when it starts out takes heavily from duel in the appearance of the uh truck that the main guy is driving yeah yeah so uh, i know there's other ones as well there's there's several where people like end up on the truck you know, on the side of it, clinging to it, and so on. Which yeah, like Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, this doesn't get that dramatic, but I was. What is this kind of the first one that was like trucks as hor- as horror villains? Well, this uh, was originally a short story mm-hmm. that uh, the guy who wrote it had originally pitched it as an episode for a TV show. Ah, okay, so this kept getting bigger because originally it was like, oh, this is going to be like. Maybe instead of a movie like of the Twilight week, Twilight Zone episode or something. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, this is a creepy episode in something. Yeah, and then it went to no, it's going to be like a short story that he made, and then he pitched the short story to someone, and that got turned into a movie of the week that then got turned into a feature length. Huh. So it just kept progressing. That also does a lot to explain why, like, the most famous person in the movie is Dennis Weaver. Hell yeah. Um, Dennis Weaver, of course, famous for all of his uh, Western stuff that he did. Yeah. And he does a great job. Honestly, if if I were to pick one thing about the, to highlight about this movie, it's, it's just how unlikable the main character is. It's... <laughs> This movie does a lot with a little. Yeah. And the way that it can let you know what's going on with the main character who has almost no dialogue. Mm -hmm. And you're like, great. Awesome. This guy's a little shit and I hate him. But I also, like, don't want him to get murdered by a truck. Mm -hmm. There's this whole thing where, like, and this will be the last thing I want to say before I go to the break, where I, I find it confusing and an interesting thing to puzzle through. This movie is made in 71 or 70, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. and the main character is deeply unlikable, but I think he might just be deeply unlikable by modern standards. That's almost entirely possible, So I'm wondering but if I think he's... there's a lot going on with the themes yeah. and what the truck represents that ties into the character itself. Like, I'm wondering if I'm supposed to have liked this guy, but, you know, 50 years of separation has, has left me at the point where I'm like... This guy's a piece of shit. I hope a truck hits him. (laughs) Fuck this dude. (laughs) He's so fucking self-entitled. But then again, that was the classic Macho's early 70s man. Was 100% self-entitled and right to be so. Well, I mean, I'll get into this more. But the fact that they picked someone that was very tied into Mm -hmm. the Western as a movie called Duel between him and this truck, it is... Very much like trying to take that sort of self-assured cowboy thing mm-hmm. and stick him be- behind the wheel of a Plymouth Valiant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. I, so anyway, that was the last thing I wanted to bring up is that I'm not sure if this character is supposed to be unlikable, but it's a thing where the movie, rather than aging poorly, has just aged into a movie that's about a piece of shit you, you hope a truck kills. Ah! <laughs> uh, all right, we are going to play a little music. We're going to come back. We are going to get into, I mean, not, there's not a whole lot of plot stuff to get into, but honestly, there's a lot of thematic things that I want to bring up and discuss with you. So we will get into that after the break and we will discuss 1971's Duel. Roll on highway, roll on along, roll on daddy till you get back home. Roll on family, roll on crew, roll on mama like I asked you to do. are back and we have decided that it is time to go out for drinks with don rickles uh, yeah <laughs> i would love to <laughs> no we've got we've got uh i had a birthday present uh yesterday yesterday was my birthday yeah um happy birthday thank you thank you i'm quite old um but w- one of the presents i got was a nice bottle of peppermint rum chata indeed and i'm a big fan of regular rum chata less fan less a fan of lemon rum chata which i recently tried this is excellent it just tastes like a chocolatey uh, grasshopper though Oh, like yeah. the drink, the grasshopper. Let me just make that clear. Just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it very much has just an adult chocolate milk vibe to it because yeah. instead of it just being peppermint, it is peppermint and cocoa. Yeah. Which honestly, the problem with rum chata as a mixed drink is that, you know, rum chata is primarily like a alcoholic horchata. So it tastes yes. like, a, like a cinnamony rice milk. So I always expect that anything that they add to it, if they say peppermint hor- uh, rum chata, I'm still expecting chata in there i'm expecting that that uh that cinnamon cinnamon, and it it doesn't have that no all of the rum chata variants have just been like we're using the brand name but it's not like we're taking the base and doing stuff with it yeah it's its own thing it's still quite good i got no complaints but yeah it just reminded me of how in my youth i used to go to a lot of acid jazz bars Uh, wow what a piece of shit i know i know it was it was a it was a place in time i mean you were alive in 2001 it's just that you weren't 21 you were like 18 so you were still in school and you know not going to the shit that was popular which turned out to be a lot of jazz clubs in underground bar locations where you wore bowling shirts wow yeah that sounds awful it was i'm not saying i mean i was just i'm not i'm not going to say that you're terrible for doing it it was a time it was a time I'm a, just saying it sounds off. There was a time where you would put on your shiniest, most reflective bowling shirt uh, with a martini down one side of it, uh-huh. and then you'd go to a bar where three people would play th- awful improvisational jazz. Just the worst And jazz. You'd, you'd order drinks just that would piss off the bartender. And for me, the go-to was the grasshopper, right up until I tried to go to any other bar that wasn't some underground jazz-themed thing, and be like, grasshopper, please. And they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We don't have heavy cream. This isn't 1964. You're not in the Rat Pack. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. You make that at home. (laughs) That is a home drink. That is a drink you you accept at a key party. (laughs) (laughs) That is a drink you make at home because you want someone at home to get drunk, whether it's you or someone else. Either you are out for fancy drinks with Don Rickles, or you are on a secret Soviet spy submarine. There is no other way you're allowed to have a grasshopper. Uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. The, dr- the drink of 1971. Oh, I'm kidding. That's Miller High Life. <laughs> maybe Billy Beer. 
ooh, Billy Beer. <laughs> we are, uh, we're going to talk about Duel, and let me tell you something. There's not a whole lot because it really is just back and forth between a car and a truck. I like I like that the opening is there's just you just hear the radio and it's just a camera mounted to the front of a car driving around Los Angeles. I've never been more frightened for a pedestrian. There's than one part the, where he gets to within this. Yeah, there's a point where there's this woman crossing the street and the tr- the car with the thing on it gets within like four inches of her and leaves you with the impression that God, I hope that camera's mounted on like a boom that's sticking out from the car. Oh, yeah. And it's coming towards this, like, crosswalk, and I'm like, you're not slowing down. Oh, my God, slow down. No, he, I mean, it's interesting that this is our main character, and we see him do, like, two California rolling stops. Oh, yeah. He doesn't like stop signs. He's just a douche. Well, I mean, it's another time. He doesn't put on his seatbelt, even though a giant truck is trying to murder him, until the last 15 minutes of this Yeah, there's movie. a point where he puts it on, like, he's it, like, oh, that's it, time to put on the seatbelt. Like, he's pulled the sword from the stone or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know normally this is useless, but I guess I better use it now. <laughs> well, I guess I might be far enough into the mountains where no one will think I'm less of a man. God, the amount that this character is afraid that people will think that he is less of a man as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's our main character. Um, his name is some guy. David Mann. David Mann. He's, he's a man. He's guy man. Yep. He is. He's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Man. Man. <laughs> he is just a guy. Man. <laughs> Can't pull over any farther. <laughs> uh, but we... Honestly, I was kind of disappointed because he starts out when we're getting the beginning of this movie. Uh, he's going up the five. And I was like, ooh, are we just going to get the full drive between Central like, Valley? Yeah, just get that I-5 drive where there is nothing and then all of a sudden a sea of cow and then nothing again. <laughs> yeah, it's just an empty, flat expanse of mountains as far pretty much all the way out in the distance on either side of you. And then at a certain point, there's an in and out. <laughs> and then at one point, you hit an in and out. It's right next to a giant sea of cow. Yeah. Yeah. You pass a uh, a bunch of street signs that have two streets named on them. And every one of them, for whatever reason, would be the perfect name for a halfling. Yeah. But Willow McKittrick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you pass a lot of those. <laughs> um, but but instead- no, that would not make a good scene for a truck drive scare movie because there'd be nowhere to hide from the truck. You'd always be able to see it. There is nothing between you and the truck, no matter what. Oh, yeah. And... <laughs> You know, that's an actual, like, two lanes on either side of the highway instead of this, which is sort of the backcountry California roads through the hills where it is just, you know, one lane either side. You've got to, you know, pass on the other lane in order to get ahead of someone. And the, I mean, there's not a lot of people there. The actual writer of this was like, no, I drove this road mm-hmm. for like eight hours just to write down everything I saw. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I mean, I'm not, they never say exactly where he's going. They say he's going to meet a guy. And if he, this guy that he's going to meet leaves for Hawaii tomorrow. And if he doesn't get there today and nail this deal, he's going to lose the Forbes account. And that's as much detail we get on why he's going somewhere. Yeah. He is off to go try and make sure he gets to keep an account, some sort of salesman, I assume. Yeah. And 
That's it. But, but, but what kind of sale he could possibly be making is eluding me because he is driving to nowhere. Oh, this has to be some rich guy who's like, yeah, I've got a house that's in the middle of some hill somewhere right next to a beach, and it's just me for 12 miles. What beach? He's going east the whole time, isn't he? No, he's going north, I think. I think he gets off the five at some point onto some shit nothing mountain freeway, which to me suggests that he, cause, and because there's no coast anywhere, I think he's out east. I think he's out on 395 type stuff at a certain point and not on the one or something. I don't well, think he's I didn't going think up he was Big on the Sur. One. Yeah. <laughs> Then Sorry, that this be... is going to be a California road <laughs> podcast. Yeah, the the problem is this took place on roads that we have been on. Yeah. So now it's time for us to get real shitty. We're going to turn into like any podcast in New York about New York, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you see, Will's main problem is he got off on the wrong street. Now, if he had just gone off 45th. There's 21 bridges out of this city, and he picked the wrong seven. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But yes, he is off to go make a deal. Now, our beginning problem is he has this truck in front of him, and it is a super polluty truck. It's shooting off a bunch of smoke and whatnot. Oh, it's just, yeah, and they did a great job picking the truck. Like uh, the one thing, old I, ass Peterbilt. Yeah, it's an old Peterbilt. It's very solid. Uh, it's all monochromatic. It's covered in license plates. Uh, like up the front, it's got like eight license plates on it. Which you know, to me. Tells the story of people that he has murdered and taken their license plates because they're all different states and different types. See, that's to me just said that, yeah, that was common on trucks in that era because you needed a plate for each state that you operated in. Nah, for me, I was like, <laughs> this is this is trophies. This is everyone that he's taken. I like that interpretation, but I'm almost certain it's just that he's a long haul trucker. So he needs to have the plates that the truck is registered in. But I, but I, yeah, I like the idea that he's killing people and stealing their license plates and getting away with it. Cause it's the seventies and to, to get to not get away with being a killer in the seventies, you had to start mailing threatening letters to the police. Yeah. You had to be like, no, I, I need to turn into the Riddler if I want someone to catch me. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the BTK killer was one of those guys who I think he just like turned himself in or called to brag or something. Ah, uh, yes, Burger the King. <laughs> That's the guy. That's what I'm talking about. He's uh, Charlemagne the God's father. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's this nasty-ass truck with a big flammable sign across the back. Uh, the thing I... The, what I meant to get at was that every time I saw this truck, which is this scary, monochrome, hulking... Uh, solid-looking, almost just a platonic shape of a truck. Yeah. Uh, I kept thinking about the fucking Green Goblin from Maximum Overdrive <laughs> and, and how much better this is. <laughs> yes. I mean... Where they're I, not being chased by, like, a circus attraction, and the whole, time you're, <laughs> the whole time you're thinking, I'm supposed to shoot a water cannon into his mouth to make a balloon inflate, right? Uh, excellent. Yeah, no. The fact that this is just a like dirty fully brown nasty looking truck mm -hmm. and i mean i had mentioned it before but it really is very close to the jeepers creepers type thing that they did later on where they're like no if you take a truck and you're like it's huge it's solid it has nothing on it that like gives it personality it's just menacing and dirty mm -hmm. it will become much more frightening yeah it's far more scary than anything that was i mean i don't know why i'm holding it up i guess because maximum overdrive is the only other truck horror movie i've seen <laughs> i wish we we're reviewing that because there's a lot more to say 
even though it's a way fucking worse movie. Uh, but David Mann behind this truck is like, oh, I'm not going to get where I'm going if I'm stuck behind this. Also, uh, the pollution. Ugh, talk about pollution. He's listening to like this god awful call in radio thing. Oh, it's, it's like a it's, Carson routine. It felt like almost. I mean, it's one of those things where a radio station will be like, we're going to call in and like prank call someplace yeah. and I'm going to be a character. Yeah. And the character is uh, slowly revealing that they are a a, tra- a transvestite type because they're just like calling the Census Bureau and being like, I don't want to release myself as the head of the household. My wife's the head of the household. The well, such boomer humor of yeah. like, I married my wife and I hate her and we have the worst relationship and I want to divorce my wife and I hate her. Yeah. I'm like. Why is this such a thing from that age? Yeah, and the whole time, David Mann just keeps like, yeah, yeah, hey, <laughs> wives, wives, and then finally, by the time it's over, he's like, yeah, I'll admit it, ma'am, to the Census Bureau, I do wear a house dress around the house. It's just easier to pick stuff up. I wear a dress. I'm a man who wears a dress, and that's like the whole joke. And you know, it's one of the things that makes you hate David Mann some more because he's like, eh, dumbass. <laughs> Uh, he also is laughing uproariously at a bit about a man whose musical instrument of choice is meat. Yes. Yeah. That so, that comes later. Yeah. Those are his two bits. But, you know, he passes the truck. The truck then passes him and slows back down. And he's like, well, fuck you, buddy. And passes him and that. That will not sit with our main villain. <laughs> That's the trucks that you can't do that to this truck. Look, if you pass the truck and he passes you, then... <laughs> You're done. He if you pass spoken. him again, now the gauntlet is thrown. He is like, ah, I see that we are in a duel. <laughs> <laughs> this is the glove slap of trucks. So at this point, he gets kind of scared of the truck, which just keeps bearing down on him and honking the horn and everything. But he manages to get away from the truck by just stepping on the gas and racing down a hill. Yeah, he... We don't really get the like, oh no, it's coming for him bit yet. No, because he's just he's just grumpy because this truck's a dangerous asshole. Yeah, he's just like, oh, what a dick. Yeah, but he pulls into a gas station, and you know, again, one of those, oh, it's nineteen seventy one because it's a full service. A guy comes out, like wipes his windows, and he's like, yeah, go ahead and fill her up with ethyl, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fill it up with ethyl, and the guy's like, yeah, you want me to, like, check under, he's got kind of, um... You want me to check under the hood? Yes, please do that. Yes. Because I trust some random guy in some random place to look under my hood for but some But that reason. was what gas stations were up until right around the mid-70s, was every gas station attendant is, like, a repair guy who will tell you yeah, that there's broken shit. I am also shit. the mechanic that yeah. works here. Yeah, and, and it was just assumed that as a full-surface thing, they'd pop the hood and be like, hey, man, you need radiator hoses or whatever. But we've already entered the point where... Instead of thinking that every every gas station attendant is a trustworthy man in a clean white shirt, uh, he, he's like, hey, buddy, your radiator hoses need to be replaced. He's like, yeah, I've heard that before. I'll do it later. Leave me alone. I'm like, why'd you even pop the hood? If you, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I understand that you're like, oh, we're out in the middle of nowhere and this fucking Yoko, uh, he's just trying to rip me off. I'm like, then why did you say yes to the look under the hood thing? Yeah. Just have him give you some gas and get the fuck out of there. Meanwhile, the truck has pulled in alongside on the other side of the uh, of the pump line and has already honked his horn to be like, I want service. Service. And, you know, the, the attendant who does not know that this is an evil truck with an <laughs> evil driver is just like, yeah, I'll get to you in a minute. Uh, now the guy gets some change to go in and use the phone. Rudely, and- by the way, just in- establishing again that this guy's just kind of an asshole because he's like, attendant, change for phone. 
Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I have that. Okay, here. Do it. <laughs> I feel like you're getting more out of that than I am, because I was like, oh, this There's... is just a regular business no, transaction. I, no, like I was saying, I feel like this movie probably, probably was a regular business transaction, but this guy's got a kind of sense of <clears throat> early 70s male entitlement to him that radiates asshole now. And I, I'm really curious. It's one of the things I found the most interesting was the, the, the difference. See, the, the thing I'm looking at is the phone call here, I feel, is very important because when he calls to his wife from a uh, phone inside this gas station or uh-huh. laundromat actually near it, mm-hmm. uh, the whole conversation they have is like, oh, he left in the morning before his wife woke up because apparently the night before they were at some party mm-hmm. and some guy was getting like real handsy with his wife. And he didn't do anything about it. Yeah, and and so he's he calls basically to apologize, but definitely apologize from a safe distance if I've already been driving for an hour, so you can't yell at me that much. Well, yeah, and this, I mean, this ties into the whole, like, before we had heard this, the bit on the radio where it's like, look, my wife, she goes out, and I'm the one who stays home, and I take care of the kids, and I do the cleaning, and, yeah. you know, I don't think I should put head of the household, and then when he pulls into the gas station, it's like... Hey, I had to leave before you woke up so that I could apologize without being near you. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we're establishing that he was afraid of confrontation because he was like, well, what did you want me to do? Punch out the that guy? Yeah. He's afraid of confrontation, but he still demands, in his own mind, he demands the respect afforded a man of bravery and, and so on. It, like I said, it's a neat juxtaposition, and this movie doesn't give you a lot, so I'm taking what I can. <laughs> See, for me... I was looking at it as just the the truck in this movie for me represents his uh, attempting to like come to terms with him being an actual man mm-hmm. is what the whole thing is because he's like, oh, I proved myself a coward that would not defend my wife the other night. And in addition to that, didn't even have, you know, the wherewithal to apologize to her face like the movie at the start paints him as being sort of weak yes and no i think i I agree with you i think the movie paints him as weak i think it paints him as weak but but believing he isn't i think what we're seeing here is a man who thinks he's part of the regular boys club but definitely every every move he makes and everything he does proves him not to be oh yeah i mean the we definitely see the extension of that in the diner scene after yeah. this. Yes, ab- absolutely. Ab- uh, there's a couple different scenes throughout this where, where you get the sense that this guy thinks he's a tough guy, but is absolutely not. He crumbles under the slightest pressure. And I think that's really what this truck is in this movie, is him trying to overcome the fact that he is just like a nebbish little dude that wants to be strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, like I said, it's interesting because, I mean, that would, through that lens, this movie becomes a lot more of a sense of this person finding his manhood in a battle between car and truck, as opposed to if you interpret it as, no, he's a normal seventies guy. And this is just a movie about how a psycho truck driver was scary. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, for me, of course, you know, anytime I watch a movie and it's something like this and there's just not a lot of like narrative hooks to really grab onto, mm-hmm. I, I just start writing an essay on what everything means. Yeah, and through a lens of it's 2021, I think is part of it. Uh, so, so yeah, 
No way, because for me, the phone call and the diner scene really set what this is about. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It does. Um, It's just interesting to me that this guy has become less likable over the years. Oh, yeah. He's not someone that you're like, oh, man, I feel bad for this guy. Like, it's the 1971 lens of he's trying to figure out how to be a man. But that's being a man in 1971, yeah. and it's kind of a shitty thing. Yeah, like even if he wins, he's still going to be a total piece of shit. Yeah, he's going to come back and be like, honey, I just beat up a truck and I want to have sex. Get in bed and point it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. So we find out then all this information before he goes to leave. Mm-hmm. and Oh yeah, and his wife is full on dismissive of him. She's like... Basically, someone tried to rape me at a party. You didn't do shit. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? And she's like, not talk to me over a payphone. What the hell? Yeah. Just try to be home on time, for God's sake. Yeah, because apparently his, I think his mother is coming. Mm-hmm. And she was like, just be here on time. She's not coming here to see me. So you should be here. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> there is a point in this film where I'm like, you know, it takes you way too long to get to the point where he's like, Maybe I should just go home. No, that's true. There's a point where he's like, there's even a point where he literally says, I'm not making that meeting today. And I was like, okay, then turn around. Just go the fuck. Or the other thought I had was find some road that leads to an actual freeway. You've got a dude who is menacing you on a relatively bare stretch of just like nothing road i mean i get that that part made one of the things i liked about this film is that there is no escape eh. he, like even if he turned off on a side road he'd be just some farmer's front yard there's there's no the, where he's going there is not uh, <laughs> we don't need roads he's not, he's not in la <laughs> within the first 20 minutes of the movie he is so far outside of la that it's not like he could just take the ne- the next cross freeway no you, he's you, off in the scrublands yeah he's he's a, he's a thousand miles from anything on one of those endless windy boring freeways that has no crosses <laughs> So, so it's a great setting. Oh, yeah. And when he leaves the gas station and heads out again, uh, the truck is back. Mm -hmm. And this time just amps up the aggression. Yes. Starts bumping him and honking. Yeah. Like tailgates him to start. And the guy's like, okay, I guess I'll speed up. And (laughs) because it's 1971, he's like, oh, my God. I'm going 55 miles an hour. And I'm yeah, like, every shot yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. Every shot of the uh, the speedometer is hilarious. <laughs> oh my God, we're ratcheting the tension. He's going 70. Okay. I'm like, there's a point in this film where he's going downhill and leaning on the gas and he gets to 100. And I was like, oh, I did that on accident yesterday. <laughs> and when I, re- I realized, like, oh shit, I'm going way too fast and slowed down. But, but I wasn't like... <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, God, how did I get up to the speed? I'm like, no, it's because I have a regular car. Oh, wait a minute. It's because I don't have a 1970 or 68 Plymouth Valiant. I think that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things where with today's sensibilities, again, you look at it, you're like, oh, my goodness, 60 miles an hour. <laughs> you madman. <laughs> Personally, I can't even drive 55. Uh, the, it's like being in a car with my grandma, the (laughs) truckers are always trying to kill your grandma. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Well, I mean, for a lot of her life, she's been living out in Paris and I'm pretty sure a lot of people out in 
the Hemet and Paris neighborhoods are like, no, it's, it wasn't Paris. Paris was in Texas. Hemet. No, there's uh, a Paris, California. That's right. Sure, why not? Yeah, there's sure. a Paris everywhere. But it's Hemet's the Hemet's the little mountain town, the desert town where truckers will try to kill you. Oh yes. Yeah, one hundred percent for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well known. It's on. It's on their sign. It's the only Welcome part of the Hemet. Truckers will kill you. It's here. the only part of the United States that's still in the tail of that green comet. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I also watched Maximum Overdrive. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Finished watching this immediately. Turned. I got a taste for truck horror. (laughs) I need more truck murder. And this didn't have nearly enough celebrities. I demanded Emilio Estevez and a a a yearly Smith, the voice of Lisa Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it does begin like bumping him, slamming into him, Mm -hmm. and eventually he does reach Chuck's cafe. Yeah, this this scene's pretty impressive. He he uh, gets bumped into, he gets passed again, and once the truck passes him, it just slows down and then won't let him in front. It, it's oh, doing yeah. the weaving around on the road. To cra- as soon as he's like, all right, well, fuck you, I'll get back in front of you. He's like, nope, nope, I will take up any lane you try to get to, except once where he goes to try and do something and the guy like waves him on and he's like, oh, finally, but he waves him on because another car is coming in the other lane. Yep, trying to get him killed. Uh, it's a great moment because it's funny to me that at this point, he's been, this truck keeps weaving to stay in front of him. And his response is just like, oh, come on, Jack, you're driving like a crazy person. Come on, hey, asshole. I'm st- hey, I'm back here. You should see me. What are you doing? And I'm like, how many times does he need to bob and weave to stay in front of you before you realize it's intentional, you total nebbish idiot? <laughs> there's there's a point where I'm like, okay, I would, <laughs> I'm just like, you gotta at that point be like, you know what? I guess I'm just behind this truck now. Yeah. That's that's me. I'm very much like, I don't get road rage. I get road zen where I'm like, well, this is how I live my life now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to become upset. I will merely go the flow of traffic. Mm-hmm. Worries I, if I'm stuck behind a truck and there's absolutely nothing I could possibly do to get around them, we'll just pull over at anything that's nearby and check it out for a while. <laughs> um, and then, then speed up like crazy and pass the truck in a hurry, as opposed to being like, I'm behind the truck slow and I'm stuck back here. I'll be like, now that I've got a, I've got a, uh, I've got some room, I'm going to build a head of steam and then get past him. Now that I've stopped and look at strawberries or something, I'm going to get out there. Yeah. I got to catch that fucking truck again. <laughs> uh, that said, I don't do long drives. I will fall asleep. Oh, so. I've done so many. I know you're th- that's. That's one of the things where you have a talent that I simply cannot begin to come in. <laughs> I, I can't drive anywhere. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. Why, you've almost killed me several times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wait until I get a fucking truck. <laughs> you just wait until I get that big brown Peterbilt I've had my eye on. Uh, yeah. So he is absolutely terrified at the point where the car like the truck starts bumping into him eventually Mm -hmm. and does a pull off at chuck's cafe where he like pulls out into a dirt section and like kind of spins and ends up like flying into a uh fence yeah he knocks some some slats out of an old fence and an old man runs up to him as the truck roars past uh, an old man runs up to him and immediately starts pawing at his face and is like, "Oh, it seems like hey, you, buddy, got, you all right? He seems like you got whiplash there. Definitely whiplash. I'm gonna touch your head and neck. <laughs> let me get in there. Let me get. Ooh, let me touch it. Just gonna poke around in there. Just gonna feel you up real good. You want me to pop the hood? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but 
and he's <laughs> practically crying and breaking down. He's like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Leave me alone. Oh, the... <laughs> this scene is interesting to me because after he manages to get his shit together because he's, you know, had a fairly scary traumatic experience on the road. Yeah. And he manages to get into uh, this cafe mm-hmm. and go to the restroom in there. We get voiceover where he's like, it is amazing how you just sort of sit safely and then some shit like this happens and you immediately revert to being in the jungle again, where it's just full fight or flight. Yeah, it's interesting that he said in the jungle again. It made me wonder if this dude is like a like a Korean War veteran or something. No, I just assume he's talking about like being a caveman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, 71's too early for... Um... Nam for, for yeah for Vietnam so maybe he's a Korean War vet or something but I think he's too young for that as well. Now I mean the whole thing is basically just like, or maybe it's just stolen valor. Maybe he's literally like it's enough to put a man back in the jungle, which like my dad was, I guess. Not me though. No, it's it is definitely just you take away civilization from someone when something yeah. like this happens. I was very confused when that started because the, the the movie up until that point, and we're like forty minutes into the movie has not had a, a moment of voiceover. No. And all of a sudden, it starts, and it keeps going through the rest of the movie in fits yeah, and starts. Yeah, we do get uh, his inner monologue several other times in this movie. Yeah. And again, it's a great chance for him to be rude to the, ran- to the local yokels in-, in the world he's in, because when they walks in, they're like, Sir, are you okay? Is everything all right? And he was like, he's just like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> again, you projecting. Because for me, it was, I've just no, I know. almost it's trauma. my pants. It's trauma. <laughs> Where's but I mean, no, like I'm saying, this dude, even when he's trying to show that he's calm and normal, is still kind of rude. Because after he goes in the bathroom, he sits down, looks, starts looking at all the, because he realizes the truck's outside. Yes, because he spends enough time in the bathroom that when he comes out, he's like, okay. And then he sits down and sees the truck out there. He's like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. So he sits down. But I assume one of them, one of the people in here is that t- truck driver, but I was in the bathroom when it got here, so I have no idea who it was because I didn't get to see him come in. Yeah. But like when the waiter comes over to get his order, she's like, Hey, what can I, what can I get you? And he, are you ready to order? And he goes, yeah, drinks water, picks up menu, points at menu, slaps menu, drinks water. And you can see she's starting to get like irritated because he was like, yeah, I'm ready to order. He is clearly not. But I, I, like I said, I think this dude has a sense of entitlement that, that overpowers even his general fear. And again, I think that's you projecting onto this. Because <laughs> for me, it was, she drops a menu in front of him and immediately asks if he is ready. Yeah. And I'm like, of course he isn't. You literally just gave him a menu. Yeah, but he doesn't say no. Instead, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready he's to order. He's shaken. He is drinking water, like, with his hands No, I know. A he's, a, he's a man. He's a man of feared. But you'd still be like, no, I haven't looked at the menu as opposed to being like, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to make you stand there while I while I don't even look at the menu because he doesn't order anything off. Me. He just goes, "That's a I want a cheese sandwich on rye," and then he spells rye. <laughs> That's not something you do because you're scared. That's something you do because you're a piece of shit. You don't be like, I'm so scared I forgot what rye is, and I assume everyone else did. I want a cheese sandwich on rye. R-Y-E. That's some that's some asshole behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show I am gesticulating asshole behavior. I mean, game recognized game, I guess. 
I'm really nice in restaurants. You fuck off. I tip real good, and I'm courteous, and I would never say I'm ready when I'm not. And I would, oh, most importantly, I would always trust that the waiter fucking heard me. Oh. I'm never going to be like, yeah, I would like my cheese sandwich on sourdough. S O U R dough D apostrophe O H sourdough. No, that just, I feel like that, the spelling out the rye thing, I was like, dick move, my friend. But everything up until that point, I was like, no, this is someone who's clearly just shaken because they're like, are you ready? And he just says yes because it's the first thing that comes to mind. No, okay, that's fair. I'm I'm willing to say that he's he I, I would I'm I'm willing to go as far as it's both. He's <laughs> he's a piece of seventy shit and he's terrified and shaken. I'm willing to go as far as it's both because again the other thing he does that I would classify as standard restaurant asshole behavior. She's like, great, is there anything else? No, 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 nothing else. And then she gets three steps away, another glass of water. Okay, anything else? No. She gets two steps away and some aspirin. And I'm like, you fucking prior, you think before you say shit to a waiter. They got shit to do. That is not an easy job. <sighs> both. Neither of those is true. <laughs> she was still just standing there and he asked for both. No, she both. walked around the table. <laughs> I'm very sensitive to uh... assholes, to waiters. <laughs> Anyway, okay. at this point, he is looking around at the various people sitting at the diner, and the only thing he knows about this driver is he saw the boots the driver had when he was at the gas station because he could see under the truck, and the mm -hmm. driver was sort of, like, kicking the tires. Yeah, he was walking past and kicking parts of his own truck, and he's wearing uh, the boot-cut jeans and a pair of them pointy-ass cowboy boots with some scuffs all over them. And he looks around, and he's like, oh... Everyone here is wearing jeans and cowboy boots. Shit. <laughs> this isn't helpful. And he starts running down the line of, of each person in the bar, all of whom are just hunched over and drinking beer and truckers, which is weird because there's only one truck outside. So where I the mean, fuck are these guys coming from? Yeah, there's a bunch of pickup trucks outside, but not like big long haul trucks. Yeah. Just the one. <laughs> but at this point, he's, he's going through in his own mental uh, monologue like, all right, how can I how can I do this? Maybe I can like just talk to this guy and be like, "Hey buddy, if I pissed you off, I'm sorry. Let me buy you a beer. Let's straighten this out, you and me." Yeah, let's let's not keep doing this. And again, he is significantly more of a cool bravado kind of guy in his own mind. Well, yeah, cuz he spends a while like looking at everyone that has fucking cowboy boots on and going like, "All right, how would I approach this person?" Okay, I'd just be like, Hey, uh, sorry if we got off on the wrong foot. Let me buy you a beer. Let's let's talk about this and make sure nothing else happens. And he's very cool until they he... turn around and then they're assholes. The, like the one that turned, they both. I'm sorry. Of the two imagination games he plays, the first one just turns around and drinks beer aggressively at him, <laughs> and the second one turns around and just goes, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And that and he gets scared again. In both of his. Both of his imagination sequences, he gets terrified at the end. It's, I mean, it's one of those things where he's like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? Huh? Wait a minute. Well, I could call the, I could call the cops, but wait, what would the cops say? It'd be my word against his. And why would they believe me? And he just keeps going through all of these scenarios. And it's amazing to me when he finally decides, wait a minute, that guy's cowboy boots are scuffed. Clearly. 
he's the one who did it. And he actually stands up to go talk to this guy. And instead of being like, hey, is that your truck out there? He immediately just goes, hey, man, why don't you cut it out? Hey, (laughs) cut it out. And I'm like, that's the... (sighs) You're an idiot. Yeah. Then, like... (laughs) The first thing you say is, hey, man, is that your truck? Yeah. That's it. That's what you need. Instead, he's just like, no, I'm sure I know who this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've looked at everyone in this cafe, and I've decided this is definitely the one. Personally, I'm just wondering how far off the ground a truck's gas tank is, because my big move would be to go out there and pee in it. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to get beat up by a trucker, but I'm going to go out and blaze a glory. <laughs> Oh, the- and this is the right place to get beat up by a trucker because he's not going to be able to kill me in front of all these other people. Ah. He'll just beat me up. Also, I'll pee in his gas tank. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Depends on how fast I can get some pee worked up. I need three more glasses of water. Uh, but yeah, he confronts this person in the cafe and gets increasingly more belligerent. Yes, where he's just like, hey, I said, just just cut it out. Just and, the, cu- and the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking well, luck- about. Unfortunately for him, the guy is a, a taciturn asshole who lives in the mountains and is a piece of shit. Because his response at first is, the guy just goes, hey, hey, cut it out. And the guy's response is to aggressively take a bite of sandwich at him. <laughs> as if, I'm- like, I will not. I will not cut out whatever it is you want to be to cut I out. I will continue eating because that is the only thing I can assume you were talking about. <laughs> I will continue undressing you with my eyes. <laughs> I'm going to make love to my wife. <laughs> the, But the fact that he's like, you know, you heard me. Just just cut it out, man. And he's, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And instead of going... Oh, is that your truck again? Yeah. Not stopping for a moment. He's like, fuck you, buddy. How dare you keep eating when I'm being weird at you? (laughs) Slaps the sandwich out of the guy's hand. And the guy's like, well, it's go o'clock. Picks him up, chucks him on a pool table and starts beating on him. And the guy who, oh, I guess Chuck probably, we're at Chuck's cafe, is like, hey, 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 don't beat the guy up. He's clearly mentally unstable and busted. Look at him. (laughs) You've already punched him twice. That's enough. He's all beat up now. You can stop. And the guy's like, he slapped a sandwich out of my hand. I'll buy you a sandwich. Just chill out, man. Yeah, but that's not, now now everyone's mad because the guy will not accept the gift of an additional sandwich and instead stomps out. And even as the the bar owner escalates to, I will give you beer and a sandwich. Oh, yeah. Now he's mad. He's lost a customer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he turns to man and is like, dude, just get the fuck out of here. Please just get out of here. And he, of course, uh, David goes to the window and is just looking out and then thinks he sees him get into the truck, but it's actually a pickup truck behind it that he gets into and drives out. Well, yeah, because when the guy walks past this nasty, scummed over, bug encrusted Peterbilt truck, he feels like. For whatever reason, lovingly running his hand over the dash. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I wouldn't touch that thing with a stolen dick. (laughs) That is, oh, that is pure tetanus. (laughs) You're going to need some shots, my man. That's like touching a shopping cart you found in a runoff ditch. (laughs) Ah, a classic. (laughs) But yeah, he drives off in the pickup truck. And of course, at this point, (laughs) Dave is like, Oh, God damn it. I fucked up, and I'm stupid, and I'm a dumb asshole. And then, 
the the big villain truck drives off because the guy had never actually gone into the cafe at all. No, why would he do that? That would he just stopped the truck and probably hid behind it. <laughs> he just hung out. He was just yeah. like, I'm just gonna. My entire existence is based on dueling this person in our vehicles. Mm-hmm. I have no fucks given for meeting him face to face. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna mess with him with this truck. I'm not gonna get out and kick his ass. I have a truck. No, this is this is about the two of us doing truck stuff. Mm-hmm. If you get out of your vehicle and try to come at me, no, you get in your vehicle, I get in mine. This is about a vehicle that, thing. That gets reinforced throughout the film. There are points where, where uh, David tries to get out of his car and run at the truck oh, and yeah. so on, and the truck will drive away a little bit to be, as in to be like, no, nah, man, that's not what this is. No, dude. <laughs> I could probably... I mean, demonstrably from what we've seen, kick your ass, but that's not what this is about. Yeah. This is about our vehicles. This time, David gets terrified as the truck's driving away. Um, but this is a point where, discussing theme and shot composition, it really felt like the truck went the up... I don't know why for me, but it really felt like the truck went back the way it had come from in the first place. It just Because it was pointing... I don't know if it was like a shot reverse shot problem or something, but to me it felt like at this point the direction everyone's driving in reversed all of a sudden. Huh. I don't know why. It's got something to do with the framing of where they arrive at the diner. They arrive from the left side of the screen and the, the, the diner's on the right. And then when they leave, they drive off towards the left side of the screen, which should be correct because they're on the other side of the diner now. They're, they're walking away from the diner. But for whatever reason, it gave me the impression that they've reversed what direction everyone's going. Huh. I don't know. I, I have no. I, I have no. I didn't for, get that. Yeah, but I'm I don't not know why. Gonna, I will not deny your lived experience unless it makes me amused to do so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I know it's a journeyman directorial effort. So <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I would a, not have made that mistake. Kind of a novice here. <laughs> Who the fuck even is this guy? Steven Spielberg. Ugh. I've never heard of this man. Ah, <laughs> uh, bet he never got work after this. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I think he made a series of pornos called In Diana Jones. I've never seen them. That sounds unseemly. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> That's got to be a porno, right? Like an actual porno. In Diana Jones. In Diana sure. Jones. It's 100%. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's probably actionable. You'd probably have to call it This Ain't In Diana Jones or some shit. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> in Diana Jones. 100% would not get you sued. I guess, that's fair. Probably not. Probably not. Different words. Different words. <laughs> Judicious spacing. <laughs> he leaves the diner. Yes. Uh, and at this point, we get the lion's share of this film's back and forth with him getting fucked up by this truck. Yeah. And like constantly just sort of seeing him in the rear view or if he tries to get out. Like seeing him on the horizon. Well, notably, the truck leaves first from the diner, which yes. is so when he leaves, he's like, well, the truck hopefully got sick of doing whatever it was doing and is way out in front of me. I'm not going to go too fast now so I don't catch up with the truck. And then he gets flagged down by the school bus. Yeah. And, you know, the school bus is another moment of like weird. It, it's 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 nice tension ratcheting because the school bus is full of mean, shitty kids. Yep. And and a uh, a bus driver who will absolutely not take no for an answer. And I get <laughs> being desperate of being like, 
look, I need to get this bus started because cell phones don't, don't exist and it's just me and a dozen asshole children in the middle of California scrubland. Mm-hmm. I need to get out of here. Please help me push this bus with your Plymouth Valiant. And he's like, yeah. that's not going to do anything. And the bus driver's like, no, fuck you, buddy. It will. It absolutely will. And he's like, no, I feel like my truck, my truck's bumper is going to get stuck under the bus's bumper. It won't. And, you know, the guy, I mean, the bus driver's in a hard spot. It's not like he could just ride back with the guy to find help or anything. Yeah, you can't leave, leave the kids. kids. Yeah. So, I mean, what he really should have asked is, could you drive to a phone and call a tow truck and tell them we're here? Oh, yeah. And, you know, at that point, he's like, sure, I passed Chuck's, you know, however many uh, miles ago. Yeah. I'll head back there and have him send someone or whatever. Yeah. But his big question, of course, is how come you didn't have that truck that just passed help you? He's like, what truck? I, I didn't see, see anything. No, it, because that's just a figment of your imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except it very much isn't. It isn't, and apparently the truck just passed him while he was trying to start the car and he didn't notice it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I must have just been either you know under the hood or trying to get the truck or the bus going. Yeah. So anyway, he's like, gets uh, browbeaten into trying to push this truck, or this bus with his tiny shitty car. Uh, it doesn't work. He gets stuck under it. And the whole time, all the kids have piled into the back of the bus where they're making faces at him and emasculating him. Yes. And you dirt- can't do it. You're not a man. <laughs> I bet you can't satisfy your wife. I'm six. There's <laughs> <laughs> a point in this movie where we start wondering how much of this is imagined. Because you're like, these kids are very biting. <laughs> Uh, you're going to lose the account. Wait, what? How do you even, what? What is the going Forbes, on? The Forbes account? You're never going to meet Folger and land the Forbes account. What? What? <laughs> Remember that one time last April where you couldn't get it up? We do. <laughs> we won't stop talking about it here at school. Uh, but he sees, as he is caught uh, underneath the bumper of this bus, the truck is just at the other end of a tunnel in the distance, just looking at him. And turns its headlights on at the moment where he notices it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here, oh, fuck. But he's stuck. He's stuck under the bumper of the bus now. And so the man comes, uh, the bus driver runs out. He's like, ah, geez, you're stuck under my bumper. I'm sorry, I didn't think that would happen. And he tries to jump up and down on the hood. He's like, don't jump on my hood. You're going to, I already told those God fucking kids not to jump on my hood. And then the kids come piling out. And at this point, the kids come, oh, piling, yeah. yeah. They come piling out of the bus, and uh, he's like, "Get them the back of the bus! That bus, that truck driver's crazy. He's gonna k- kill them." And he's like, "No, they're fine as long as they don't get on, you know, the actual road. We're on the side." And he's like, "No, get them back of the bus! Fuck!" Yeah, and at this point, everyone just thinks he's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's even a point where he's like, "No, you don't understand that that truck driver's crazy." And he's like, "Look, man, if I had to take a vote right now." Uh, about which one of you is crazy, it would be you. <laughs> it would be you, David Mann, occasional impotent. <laughs> How was... does everyone know that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, because we've all been given your business card. <laughs> Salesman, <laughs> impotent. It's, personally, I couldn't imagine being unable to get a boner around your wife. I mean, it, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> uh, anyway. He manages to get his car unstuck and drives off, and the truck comes back, and he freaks out, but he just sees in the the rearview mirror, no, the truck's helping the bus. The truck pushes the bus till it starts. Yeah. It's a perfect thing to add to the movie, because it's a moment where the truck driver displays that he's not an asshole to anyone else. No. He's like, no, I'm 
I'm a perfectly normal human being, except for you. Mm -hmm. You, David Mann. (laughs) You're on my shit list. (sighs) Gonna wonder about the people who, like, live on Elm Street, but their house house door faces another street, so technically they live on Maple or something. Does Freddy go after them, or is he just like, ah, fuck, your house... Uh, you, you technically live on Maple, even though you're on the corner. Well, I can't get you. I mean, technically, he only goes after the children of the parents that killed him. Oh, right. And they don't even have to live on, on Maple Street or, or Elm, Elm Street. Street. <laughs> they don't even have to live on Elm Street. They can have moved away. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they don't. Yeah, they all live there. Yeah, why wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, well, it makes more sense nowadays where no one can afford a fucking house. So they just have to live where their parents live and hope their parents die. Um, <laughs> Everyone hopes their parents die. <laughs> it's the number one hope of a new generation. <laughs> <sighs> right after they pay off the house. So, anyway. Uh, the the end of this movie that we sort of go through, there's a point where he attempts to call the cops at, like... Oh, yeah, the second gas station scene. Another gas station that he goes to. And this is the point where you can really tell that the truck driver has had enough of his shit. And he's like, this is supposed to be a, like, duel between you and me in our cars. You're trying to you, bring outside influences you in. You keep getting out of the car, and also now you're trying to call the cops in? What the fuck are you doing? This is between you and me. Yeah, this is the point where the truck driver displays an extreme amount of aggression all of a sudden. Because he pulls into a gas station, an old lady comes out, and she's got like a whole traveling circus yeah, aesthetic. She's, she's got a snake-a-rama. Yeah, and also a bunch of like covered wagons that say that there's like traveling circus and- Professor Magorium's m- wonder tonic. Yeah, mind-reading type stuff. And she comes out, she's like, hi, what can I do for you? And he's like, uh, you got a phone? Well, yeah, it's over there. What about your car, mister? Because she's like mad that he's not a real customer. He's like, I put however much fuel you can in there. Yeah, and she's like, very good. Also, check my radiator hoses, because now he's scared. But she doesn't get time to because he tries to call the cops and the truck driver runs over the phone booth. Oh, yeah. I love that they can ascribe just telepathy to this truck driver where he's like, I know what you're doing. I can tell who you're calling. If you were calling your wife or something, this wouldn't be an issue. But you're attempting to get outside help and I will not have that. Mm -hmm. And so much so that he's perfectly willing to knock down this lady's snake-a-rama so that there's a bunch of, like, iguanas and tarantulas and poisonous rattlesnakes. Or, sorry, venomous rattlesnakes everywhere. Oh, they're also poisonous. They're po- yeah, they're also... <laughs> you don't know what she's been feeding them. <laughs> uh, each one's just got a bag of poison tape to it. <laughs> it says, eat me on the side. <laughs> uh... I just don't want to get a letter. <laughs> Which I assume someone will send me a postmarked registered letter. Yes, uh, obviously. Explaining the difference between venomous and poisonous. Uh, to me, a guy who won't even interchange arm and tentacle. <laughs> they mean different things. That's a pseudopod. <laughs> pseudopods are more or less tentacles. More or They're less. Closer. They're closer to tentacles than they are to arms. But not I think quite. pseudopods, technically, by definition, it can extrude from an otherwise flat surface. Yes. That So that would be why it's something can be have a pseudopod as opposed to a tentacle, which is a permanent fixture. Uh-huh. There you go. See? Mm-hmm. So there are three things. <laughs> There's more bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I was watching a Bluey episode with Sage the other day, and there was like a nerd dad on it, and he was like, 
No, actually, sweetheart, and he's talking to his daughter. Uh, octopuses don't have arms. They have tentacles. They're called tentacles. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you dumb fucking Australian Dalmatian. Those are arms. We're going to get into it now. I'm going to hit you with a truck. <laughs> you get in your fucking car right now. <laughs> you call yourself a nerd. <laughs> oh. And that begins our final chase where... Mm-hmm. We get the radiator hose paid off because his car starts to overheat when he's going uphill. Mm-hmm. He's trying to escape by driving up a hill. He even excitedly cackles as he makes his way up the hill. You can't catch me on the grade. You can't catch me on the fucking grade. Which, you know, good idea. Yeah. Fucking, because not only is he a giant truck, but he is, you know, hauling a huge fucking, like, tanker behind him. Yeah. Now, this scene, it, before that even happens, we get a lot of payoffs. He knocks over all the snakes and so on. The lady's crying because all of her snakes are loose. He jumps in his car to escape uh, and he succeeds. He gets away from the truck because it's still spinning around at the gas station, drives through a tunnel, and then pulls over and parks next to the tunnel so the truck will pass by him. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, fuck you, buddy. I'm not going anywhere for at least an hour. There is no way I'm getting that Forbes account. That's that's over. That's yeah, done. We're done. We're done. And I'm like, then you turn and go home (laughs) where are you going there is nothing out here for you what do you think you're going to accomplish sir you're not 10 more miles from a chuck e cheese (laughs) it's just gonna be more of this bullshit uh but he falls asleep and a train wakes him up Mm -hmm. to send him on his way again and he gets like 50 feet before he realizes the truck knew and just parked a mile down the road (laughs) yeah he's like god fucking damn it <laughs> <laughs> it is great yeah but yeah we get into our final uh showdown where he's got like his radiator well, over pass up and... the old couple who part who oh yeah yeah he gets out of the car uh and tries to run to the, the trucks parked to the side of the road and keeps doing the hand wave through motion but when he drives through it's clear that the truck will just turn on and, j- and accelerate and push him into a cl- into a cliff face yeah he's so he's like can't get past it and the truck's letting other cars pass just not him and so he tries to flag down another car and he succeeds and there's two old people he's like hey look do me a favor i need you to just go on past this guy call the police and tell them to come back here and these old people want that none guy's of it trying to kill me and the old woman is like Get out of here. Just drive. Leave this guy. And I'm like, wow, what an asshole you are. Step on the gas, Lewis. We don't want to talk to him. And and Lewis is like, wait, what? Someone's trying to kill you? I'm sorry, what? And he's like, he's like, "Ah, that guy, he's crazy. He's trying to kill me. We don't want any trouble, mister. We're not going to do anything for you. Which, at this point, even though they're clearly not going to help him, the truck driver can't be sure. So he starts driving backwards, trying to kill these people, too, until they run away. Yeah, he just like backs up towards them until they go ah we got to get out of here and they do and he's like great i'm not chasing them i don't give a fuck yeah, what i just wanted to spook them a bit i so just don't leave. want them to help you i i just need you to know mono mono 1v1 yeah and that causes 1v1 me bro and that causes david to just run into the foothills and the truck what does it do when he runs into the foothills it pulls up next to his car and waits uh-huh <laughs> it's like all hey, right, man, you can, can either go die in the scrubland or we can keep doing this. I can. I, I could run into your car right now and crunch it. I'm not going to. I'm just going to let you know what this is. I could. <laughs> I want you to know you need to complete this. And this is the point where we get the kind of girding of the loins, stealing of the manhood kind of moment where he's like, 
Okay, then. All right, we're fucking doing this. We're fucking doing this. And he starts walking aggressively towards his car. And when he gets into it, the truck driver gives him the go-ahead. Yeah, he just... <laughs> the truck driver pulls ahead and is like, go on. I want you in front for this part. <laughs> Look, buddy, we're having a thing here. And for this part, why don't you go take the lead? Mm -hmm. And now the chase is on. And unfortunately, his first thought is, well, I'll just go up a hill. I'll go up a steep hill and the truck won't be able to chase me up the grade. The moment he starts going up the hill, his radiator hoses give out. And it's it's amusing because other than his car just instead of his car just immediately breaking, it just goes slower and slower. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's they're doing a tension thing. We're like, it's going 40. It's going 30. It's going 20. And I'm like, no, it it, it would break. It would, <laughs> no, it would break. If, you're, if your radiator gets to, uh, I'm sorry, your temperature is all of the way. Yeah. And <laughs> smoke is pouring out of his car. I'm like, oh, dude, that's either going to alight mm -hmm. and just stop immediately. Or it's going to seize your engine. Yeah. Um, you you're not going to be able to just do that. But, but you know, for the purposes of the movie, it, he just goes slow for a while. And Man, just to get to the top of the yeah, hill before he begging. can be like, oh, fine, I can put it in neutral and just go downhill. Yeah, he's begging. Where's the summit? God damn it. Where's the summit? And then he makes it to the summit and rolls down the hill. Uh... And, you know, that fixes his problem with the radiator, mm -hmm. obviously. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, apparently, because it's not a problem any any further. Uh, no, we see the, like, temperature go down, and it's yeah. just like, Well, I assume he's hey, got the engine turned off, and he's getting air-cooled is basically the only thing that's happening here. Uh, but we get into one last final thing where he manages to pull off on a weird side road to, like, some ranch or something, I assume. That's my favorite place to go pull off as well. Weird side roads. Yeah. No, no one's looking. No yeah. no one's around on a weird side road. That's where I pull off. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. And this is the point of our final duel, which literally turns into a jousting match. Oh, yeah. It is just, all right, we're going to play chicken, but I'm going to use my briefcase, my David Mann-inscribed briefcase, to hold down the gas and just jump out of my car and have the car hit you. Yep, which it does. And uh, it immediately, the, his car catches fire and starts burning. And so, Davids, yeah. The Davids. And the truck just keeps plowing through it because he can't see anything now because there's a bunch of fire in front of the car. Yeah, he's got fire and smoke. He doesn't know what's going on. You'd think he'd just stop because he already hit the other car and he's pushing it backwards. He Clearly he's won, but this is an obsessive truck driver, a, a crazy truck driver with nothing to lose. And so he just keeps pushing until he drives his own ass off a cliff. I mean, it's not like there was a ton of room there. It's not like, oh, yeah, he went for another mile before he went off a cliff. It's just, it was very much like... I'm just I, saying he didn't even stop. He just Thelma and Louise his way to oblivion. Well, I was he like, won. you already won. Just stop. That's the thing. He's like, I won. And now that I have won, I have no purpose in life. They've already nutted. <laughs> and they still driving. <laughs> so he drives himself to oblivion. And I got to say, my the saddest thing for me, I, I'm sure it's super realistic maybe, but... This truck, one of the only, you've been behind this truck for half this movie, and it had a giant fucking flammable sign on the back of it. And when the truck lands, it lands with a dull, not on fire thud. Oh, I yeah. wanted a, I wanted an explosion. Nah, man, that thing was empty. We all <laughs> knew that was empty. I wanted an explosion. I know, but th this ain't the 80s or later. I know. It's 1971, and you don't pay for pyrotechnics. <laughs> But the truck crunches into the ground about 50 feet below. Um, and at first, the, the, when the uh, truck goes flying off the cliff, it's, it's uh, driver's side doors open. Oh, yeah. I was like, 
oh, is this dude also, did he also bail? And now we're going to have like a tired fist fight between the two of them? Well, what I was kind of hoping for, because I haven't seen this movie, I would know what to expect. Uh, David doesn't seem to notice that the truck, the truck's uh, driver's side door opens. So he just runs up to the side of the, the field and goes, yeah, and like looks down I'm there. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I won. Yeah. And I was, what I was hoping for was that you just see like a hand, a, a, on a, his hand back. a hand on his back, just push him over the edge. And then that's, and then the credits <laughs> just, just push. <laughs> but no, uh, as we get the camera showing us the carnage and wreckage in the little Canyon there, mm-hmm. uh, we do see blood dripping from the, uh, steering wheel of the truck. My favorite realized moment from the carnage was the little tiny oscillating fan in the cab of the truck uh-huh. still going. Cause that's battery powered and not connected to the truck's engines. Uh huh. I thought that was a great little moment. Yeah, no, there was, uh, there's a lot of in stuff in there that was good. Honestly, one of my favorite things in here, uh, I don't know if I want to save that for our best and worst. Nah, fuck it. We're all, we're there. I mean, I know just, this is like, the end of the there's movie. There's like two minutes left. He doesn't go anywhere at the end. He sits down no, at it's the just edge. Credits with him sitting at the edge. He sits at the edge of the cliff and throws pebbles at the truck body while he while the credits roll. Yeah, and one of the great things about this is the lack of soundtrack that we get for a lot of this. Yeah, there are a few instances where they do like go, oh, you know, we're trying to ratchet up some tension, so we'll do that. But the entire final, like, face-off joust, uh, a ton of the early parts of this movie, there's either radio or nothing. It's just the noises. Yep, you just hear the road. I I appreciate that, and the fact that you can get tension in this thing without having to rely on, like, we're going to let the violins let you know that this is a tense moment. Yeah. I'm trying to picture what the soundtrack would have been, and it would have been mostly just deep purple. I mean, 1971 was not like... Ah! It was just acid jazz. <laughs> just, ah! It was too early for acid jazz. You could basically get a couple of stones. You could probably have Jumpin' Jack Flash and shit like that on the soundtrack. Uh, but yeah. No, just just interesting. Well, uh, fuck it. Let's get into the best and worst. Yeah, we're done. That was the end of the movie. It's, yeah. It has an anticlimactic post-climax uh, ending. Where after the big huge truck drive explosion and he wins, he just sits down and the oh, movie yeah. ends. There's no, there's no denouement here. No, because that's what this movie is. Yeah, and because you don't need to see it. Like, oh gosh, what are you gonna do? Worry if he gets the Forbes account? <laughs> do I really need to see the second half of his w- apology to his wife? No. Yeah, it's uh, it's real. Is weird. that lady snake's gonna be okay? I hope her <laughs> iguana's all right. Yeah. Anyway. Best and worst in this film. Let's go ahead and break it down. Jeff, what was your favorite thing in Duel? I I, uh, I talked about it earlier, but I really like the choice and and uh, decorations uh, that they used for the truck. The truck is, and also the, the the Plymouth Valiant, which is an old scuffed up car that looks like it shouldn't be used in. A, well, I mean, it just gets yeah more and more fucked up as it goes along. Yeah. But the truck is just this implacable death force. Where the uh, you got to assume the temptation to take a truck like that and you know put like like a a bumper sticker on it that says like I'm a mean motherfucker or whatever or just go full like Mad Max and put fucking spikes and shit all yeah, over it or exactly. whatever exactly but just take tricks to make the truck look evil and or put a giant paper mache green goblin head <laughs> on the front <laughs> you know that kind of thing you know they didn't but they didn't do any of that shit the truck just looks like a fucked up old truck and it's great it's a great it it manages to still look evil and terrifying 
Mm-hmm. They, just through camera work and and a great choice of a super solid vehicle, it it is the moment the first time you see the truck, you're like, oh, oh that thing is not that's not good. Nah, man, why are you still driving that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing good has ever happened around that truck. Uh, I mean, I like a lot of this movie, but I really liked the design on that vehicle, the, the choice on that vehicle. Oh, that's so, that's so, definitely a good choice. So that's that's going to be me. What about you? Uh, I think probably. The number one favorite thing for me is the, I want to go with just the phone call, Mm -hmm. the initial phone call to the wife, because it is like four minutes of storytelling Mm -hmm. that sets the entire movie for what it's like thematically about, Mm -hmm. what this character is about. Where he's at in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get so much information packed into just that, and they're like, great, that's all you need to know, mm-hmm. and now it's fucking go time. No, you're right. That's a great bit. It, it really works to set the tone of what's about to happen. I would also want to throw a special mention out to the fact that the dri- you never see the truck driver. It's oh, just, yeah. It's just an arm. It's like a truck with a gross arm. <laughs> yeah, you see the foot, you see the arm, and that's it. Yeah. And that was, again, specifically from the actual writer of the story. He was like, no, you never show the truck driver in this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a point that I want to make in this, is that the truck is the villain, not the driver. Like, it's just an implacable iron menace. Yeah. And and it, 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 there's a guy, I think he's Carrie Lofton or something, who was tre- credited as the truck driver, but he's just like a race car guy. He's not an actor. He is no, just a he's stunt driver. the dude who was driving. <laughs> yes, and it's it, it works really well. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. You were saying, though, that phone call really does set the, the film. Oh, yeah. It It's a very good uh, use of minimalistic storytelling to get across everything you need. Yeah. And then just letting the movie play out as it will. This movie also has a ton of good, uh, I, I forget they're called, um, that, that, that titties, sh- a ton of just awesome seventies titties. Real good. Well, they've titties. got that, that, that obvious tan line from a day in the beach and a macrame halter top. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it, it they're, they're just fantastic. No, I, what I was going to say is that shot where the, I forget what they call them, a rack and zoom, I think mm-hmm. where they zoom in on it, but then, then change the, the back, back focus. So it looks like you're really zeroing in on a person on Dennis Weaver's terrified, hollow, big eyed face. Oh, as he yeah. realizes what's happening. Dennis Weaver's reactions in this movie to stuff when he there is a point during this where he loses it. Yeah. And in the car itself, he is just like going between like laughing and crying and just losing his At shit. At a certain point, I think he bites his lips so hard he's bleeding all over his own mouth. Yeah, he's just got like a bloody mouth for when he's driving up the hill. Like yeah. it is is fucked and up. And he gets like human centipede two grade sweaty. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I've only seen the first two. <laughs> and I was like, that's enough. Well, let me tell you, they're sweaty in three. <laughs> I'm sure they are. That prison one? No, I'm yeah, sure they are. It's a Texas prison. You better believe they're sweaty. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, two was enough to put me. I was like, nope, no more. I'm, I'm... Oh, no. Two should put anyone off of that. <laughs> Worst thing in the film, Jeff. Uh, in Human Centipede 2? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we've established that, worst thing in Duel. <laughs> 
It's interesting that there's really not that much I would say that is wrong with Duel. Mm-hmm. Um, it because it doesn't have much, and what it does have is all very good. Oh yeah, Spielberg does a great job of using what minimal amount that is given. And well, more more importantly, I don't think there's anything in this that's wasted. I do. I, I, if I had to pick something to say is the worst, I would say it. The kids being shitty, emasculating is like. Why is that? Why are it's the kids, a very weird It's choice. a weird... I mean, I understand why it's there. It's there to ratchet up the psychological tension. But it takes you out of the movie to be like, oh, I guess they pulled out... He, he had to pull over and help the school bus carrying the children of the corn for some reason. <laughs> why are they all fucking assholes? <laughs> He's there to rescue them, and they're like, eh, you can't do it. You've got a tiny dick. <laughs> Uh, God, I wish that's what they were saying. Like, I really wish that like you could just go listen in. to it. And they're just like, hey, mister, you can't satisfy anyone with that tiny dick. Anyway, I'm going to go learn about circles. I heard you've got one ball. Uh, I'm amazed you have two kids. They're probably not yours. Bye, mister. I heard you have one ball and you used to get laughed at when you were on the diving team because of it. Uh, but no, it's just it's it's a weird moment where you're like you, you, these kids, they do add to the psychological tension, but they also take you out of the movie because it doesn't make any sense that they're that shitty. Oh, uh, I mean, I guess you could always say, yeah, all kids at a school bus are probably you could assume they're shitty because <laughs> they're, ki- they're kids, <laughs> but they're not this much that I mean, and that's reaching. Like I said, this movie doesn't have a lot in it. And what it does have is good. Uh huh. What, what would you say? Uh, I mean, probably, I want to say the bus scene is, like, it's it's very clear to me before I even looked up all the background information, I was like, this feels like a scene that was added on. Well, you, when you said they added 20 minutes of footage, um, my first thought was the bus scene. Yeah. Because it's the most self-contained, like, and it's the only time the truck driver does anything nice for anyone else. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting moment. It, it's very different than the rest of the film. I think probably just the uh <laughs> honestly it's probably the fucking boomer i hate my wife humor radio thing that was going on at the beginning oh yeah uh the part where he finally outs himself is is it's like oh i'm i'm the wife of the house so i shouldn't put myself as the head of the household but what if my neighbors find out your neighbors aren't going to find out it's an entirely confidential thing i wear dresses you know he's just trying to get a rise out of the oh, census yeah. worker and it's boring <laughs> it's always funny to me when when you hear those prank call shows and you can tell the one that didn't work and they left it in there anyway because you got to fill 80 minutes of a cd yep where the person's just like that is not a problem i do not understand what the problem is and meanwhile the jerky boys are just desperately calling them a sizzle chest trying to get something to happen <laughs> come on open up years and you're like yes sir i can hear you fine you should have hung up and moved on to the next number in the list guy this isn't working (laughs) my dude i understand what is going on here and i will not give you the satisfaction (laughs) i'm just going to patiently answer your questions i'm not even going to hang up (laughs) i will let you do that sir we are having our own duel but for phones (laughs) sir i can tell that you can't satisfy your wife with that (laughs) tiny dick (laughs) jeff yeah (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna give this a rating from zero to five to give the movie a rating out of ten jeff what do you give duel i you know i don't even like this type of movie but i'm gonna give it a four and a half because as far as this type of movie goes is it's clearly excellent 
Oh yeah, it's a very good movie. It's and, and it doesn't waste time. It is ninety fucking minutes on the dot. Yep. So if you want to watch something where it's tense and increasingly tense, and then it's over, here it is. Four and a half out of me. What do you What do you got? Uh you know, I think I'm just gonna give it a four. I think it's a very good example of the genre that it's doing. Yeah. That sort of you know implacable foe. Yeah. Uh. I didn't get as much tension out of it as I would have liked, but I feel like that's probably me looking back at a fucking 50-year-old movie. There's all these points in this movie that uh, that tell me it's 50 years old, because I would expect them to do a trick of the modern day. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, specifically, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about the moment I say it, when he parks and falls asleep and then the the train wakes him up, Uh and you can see in the background there's a flatbed car coming Uh through, and you were like, when that flatbed car comes through, you're going to be able to see the other side of the train, and the truck's going to be there. Yes. 100% (laughs) I was thinking that. You are correct. (laughs) And I was like, that's a perfect trick, because then he'll be like, oh, shit, the truck's there, too. And then you start and try and drive away and everything. But instead, the truck's just a mile ahead on the road. <laughs> it's just hanging it's just out. just hanging out. You can already see. It's just right there. <laughs> There's more than one point in this movie where I was expecting a slick trick, and they just didn't do it, because why bother? Yeah. So, uh, eight and a half out of ten. Duel, actually much better mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to be going in. Yeah, I, I never thought this movie was going to be boring or bad. I just figured it was going to have not much to talk about. Um, which... Well, we've been going for almost as long as the movie is. So. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for joining us on our journey as Jeff and I duel. <laughs> <laughs> to the water, death. water pistols at, I don't know, like 1130. No one wants to get up at yeah. fucking dawn. To the death. <laughs> water pistols to the death. <laughs> We're just going to squirt each other with water pistols and go about our business for the rest of our lives. <laughs> First one to die loses. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but thank you for joining us we of course will be back in another couple weeks if you want to support us you like what we do here we have our patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery you can go there supports all of our shows helps us keep doing what we're doing and uh you can join us any given level unlocks bonus content for our various shows we are currently still going through in our tv mastery at the five dollar level the flying nun Mm -hmm. and boy does she ever fly in every episode boy howdy two scoops of flying does it technically happen (laughs) uh so we're still talking about some some great old late 60s early 70s shit there Mm -hmm. wonderful thematically together yeah, these two, yeah. In, in fact, I mean, in the episode, episode we watched this this week, she gets in a gets in a duel with a flying truck, and it's great. <laughs> the truck only weighs ninety pounds, <laughs> so see, when the winds of Puerto Rico, <laughs> when the winds catch the truck's cornet, <laughs> it's a nun truck. It's an evil nun truck. <laughs> nun truck left beef. <laughs> so M- Michelangelo and his evil nun trucks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you five dollar level <laughs> patreon.com slash system mastery or you can rate and review on itunes or stitcher or whatever and we'd really appreciate that oh, thank right. you so much <laughs> we're gonna be back in a couple weeks you have a good one <laughs>